Hello, you are listening to the Secular Buddhism Podcast, and this is episode number 44. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about finding the teacher within. Over the past several weeks, I've been watching a a series on Netflix called Buddha. It's a 55-part series series about the historical Buddha, and it's inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Old Path, White Clouds, which happens to be one of my two favorite books on the topic of the historical Buddha, the other book being Buddha by Karen Armstrong. So if you're interested in learning any of the uh, historical account of the Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, uh, those are two books that I would certainly recommend. Uh, Old Path, White Clouds by Thich Nhat Hanh, and Buddha by Karen Armstrong. But what's been great about watching the Netflix series is that it's it's really fun to finally add a visual image to the stories that I've read in several books and in the discourses uh, of early Buddhist texts. Um, it's it's not the best quality. I, I like to think of it as a, a Spanish soap opera produced by a Bollywood production company, because um, that's kind of the style. Uh, there are several moments where I would just laugh because it's quite entertaining uh, in a comical way. But in general, you know, with the production quality being low and the acting uh, being subpar, uh, I still enjoyed it quite a bit because, like I said, it's fun to have a visual representation of some of these stories that I've listened to and that I've really enjoyed in my own studies of Buddhism. Um, But something that really stood out to me while watching the story of the transformation of Prince Siddhartha Gautama turning into the ascetic, uh, you know, the ascetic Siddhartha Gautama into, um, ultimately into the Buddha, the role of the awakened one, the Buddha, um, was that he had various teachers along the way. Now, historically in the Pali Canon, um, we know that, uh, or it's taught that he had two main teachers. Once he became an ascetic in the forest, he studied with uh, an ascetic named Alara Kalama, and he taught him how to meditate and uh, studied with him. Ultimately, um, Kalama said, hey, I've taught you all that I know. There's really nothing else I can teach you. Why don't you stay here and you take over the school? Because he was older, um, getting old. And and Siddhartha's like, no, I'm not interested in that because he didn't feel satisfied. He didn't, he didn't have the answers to his questions yet. So, um, Kalama uh, taught him as much as he could, and then he went on from there and found another teacher named Udaka, and he worked with him, and ultimately the same thing happened. He reached the point where Udaka's like, well, I've taught you all that I can, and there's nothing else. Like, you know everything I know. Uh, there's no- nothing left for me to teach you. And at this point in the story, uh, Siddhartha decides he's kind of frustrated. He's like, well, I guess I'll have to figure this out on my on my own. And he continues his journey. And ultimately, that's exactly what happens. He he attains enlightenment or awakening all on his own. Um, and, I, and I cover this concept of the Buddha attaining enlightenment in a previous podcast, uh, episode 39, What is Enlightenment? So if you're interested in, interested in navigating that topic a little bit more, uh, go back and listen to that episode. Um, but the... So in the story of the Buddha, um, he ultimately discovers that the, the teacher he's been looking for was him. It was himself. This is finding the teacher within. That's the topic of this podcast. So the profound implication of this discovery is that 
it's similar for us. We too can learn as much as possible from all the teachers out there. Um, but in the end, the greatest discovery is the discovery that the, the teacher that you're looking for is you, the teacher within. So that's what I want to discuss in this podcast episode. And before I jump into this topic, I do want to remind you again of a couple of things. First, my commonly shared quote that the Dalai Lama says, uh, do not try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. Use it to be a better whatever you already are. Regardless of which path you're on or how far along that path you may be, mindfulness can help you to become a better whatever you already are. And second is the reminder that this podcast is made possible by the Foundation for Mindful Living, a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is to make the world uh, a better place by teaching people to live more mindfully. And if you get any value out of this podcast or out of this episode, uh, and if you're in a position to be able to, please consider becoming a monthly contributor. Uh, Even $2 can make a big difference. And of course, one-time donations are appreciated as well. And you can do that by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the donate button at the top of the page. So now let's jump back into this week's topic. So the reason I wanted to discuss this podcast uh, episode, this topic for this episode, is because often I'm asked by people who uh, start listening to the podcast or they start listening to, uh, or they start reading the book or, or just um, navigating, uh, Buddhism in general, uh, it's inevitable that someone will ask, well, you know, which is the best Buddhist path? Which is the right path? Which one teaches more accurately or, um, something along that, uh, along those lines. And I think that's a very natural thought for us to have. And what I like about the example that we have from the historical account of the Buddha as like I mentioned before, he had multiple teachers. The, the way it's portrayed in the in the series, you know, there's the guru that he worked with as a child to learn to study the Vedas, and um, you know, the the like his first teacher that you would have, I guess, as a prince, um, and then that relationship goes on uh, in his life with having different teachers that he works with. Like I mentioned earlier, the two. Uh, more well-known teachers in the story are the ones that I mentioned at the beginning. The point of all of that is just the under the, the, the realization that um, working with teachers is a common thing, but working with a teacher can only get you so far. And this is what happens to him in his life. He His ultimate teacher ended up being himself. Now, I think what happens with a lot of people who study Buddhism is you encounter that and you realize, wow, okay, he became awakened. Okay, then he's the ultimate guru. He's the ultimate teacher I want to work with. And we make the the same mistake that we've been making all along, which is we're looking outside of ourselves for something that can only be found internally. It can only be found inside. That's the great realization that the Buddha had. His awakening or his enlightenment was that uh, understanding that he was the ultimate teacher Now, what that means for us is that we can learn from him. We can learn from these stories. You can learn from a Buddhist teacher or a monk or or whoever, but you can only learn so much. You're going to reach the point where it's it's going to be a lot like what he encountered, which is, hey, I've taught you everything that I know. There's nothing left for you to learn. And now, and, and, and now it's back on you. The ball's back uh, in your court. Um, and I think we make a mistake when we think of the Buddha as the ultimate teacher in the sense of, okay, that's, that's who I need to learn from. 
Now, certainly following his example, I think is a good idea. Studying the things that he taught, I think is a good idea. But if we're going to get anything out of what he taught, let's understand the main thing that he taught. The very last thing that he taught uh, in his last discourse was this teaching uh, about being becoming your own light, like be your own light, um, be your own guide. Uh, he was essentially inviting people to do exactly uh, what I'm trying to explain in this podcast, which is to realize that we are the ultimate teacher. In other words, you are your ultimate teacher. I am my ultimate teacher. When in, in Buddhism, it's common to to take refuge. In, in fact, um, you know, kind of the act of becoming a Buddhist, and I discussed this in a previous podcast episode, but the the act of becoming a Buddhist is is when you take refuge in the three jewels. Um, and the three are the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And I talk about these three uh, in detail in episode 41, Life on the Buddhist Path. So you can go back and listen to that one if you if you haven't, um, to get a better understanding of what it means to take refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma, in the Sangha. But the first one of those, taking refuge in the Buddha, is... Um, it's it's about wisdom. It's about anchoring myself in the possibility of becoming awake in the same way that the Buddha became awake. Um, it's not necessarily anchoring myself in. Okay, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna learn from the Buddha as if he were my teacher, and try to match. Like well, I guess you could you could think of it that way, where you you're going to match his wisdom, um, but. I think the profound implication of this is that to take refuge in the Buddha is to say, I'm going to do what the Buddha did and discover that I'm my greatest teacher. I'm not going to rely on someone else to be my, my guide or to be my uh, a spiritual authority for me. I'm going to be my own. Like the Buddha said, be a light unto yourselves. Uh, this is a way of awakening the Buddha within, the Buddha that you know, we talk about Buddha nature in Buddhism. This is the essential understanding that you've got everything that it takes already there inside of you right now. It's just a matter of discovering it. In fact, in that same uh, final discourse before the, the Buddha passed away, he was asked by one of his monks, what if we meet you on the path? Uh, and he said, he replied, don't accept anyone that you meet on the path as your authority, you know, towards liberation. Even if you meet me, and some of you may have heard the expression, if you meet the Buddha uh, or kill the Buddha, if you see the Buddha on the road, that, that I think that teaching kind of comes from this, uh, from this sentiment. Um, and the Buddha goes on and, and says, like, even if it's your father, even it doesn't matter who it is, don't take someone as your authority because you are the only one who can awaken yourself. You know, the power of awakening oneself is is the term Buddha. That's what the word Buddha means, awakened one. And nobody can awaken you. Nobody can force you to wake up. People can help along the way, but just like with the Buddha's uh, story, they'll help you get so far, and then that's it. Then you've got to go on your own, and someone else may help you get a little bit further, but at some point, you have to figure it out on your own. You have to awaken yourself. And this is the Buddha's famous last teaching, to be a light unto yourselves. In other words, be your own guide. And, and while Buddhism may offer us uh, you know, a natural understanding of reality, that, that things are interdependent, things are interconnected, um, all things are impermanent, 
um, you can observe this natural understanding on your own. You can figure this out through observation and through meditation. And this is, this is all part of that process of awakening yourself. You know, the Buddha said, don't look for, don't look for anyone for guidance. Now that doesn't mean, okay, I'm, I, I'm not going to learn from anyone anymore. I don't need to read books or, um, or listen to this podcast if this helps in any way. Um, what he's implying here is don't rely on someone as if they are the key for you to awaken because they're not. They can be part of the path in the same way that, that the Buddha had teachers, but ultimately he was his own teacher. So think about this just from another perspective real quick, out completely outside of ideology or religion or spirituality. Let's just think about math. You know, when you go to school and you start learning math, you start from the bottom up and you learn the basics. You learn um, how to add two numbers and it's usually single digit numbers and then it becomes double digit numbers and then later you learn to subtract and then you learn to multiply and you learn to divide but you start you start from the bottom and when you're learning math you know you don't reach fifth grade and then say suddenly oh you know what that first grade teacher they were pointless for me because they only taught me two plus two is four and now I'm you know now I know how to multiply uh three digit numbers or something so yeah that was dumb we don't do that because we recognize that that was that was a foundation that you know, what we learned i because i know that now i know this now you this could go on right and with math the, the more proficient you become with math the more beneficial it is to you to interact in the world in in the world of numbers now it's not vital for you as a mathematician to be like well in what style did pythagoras teach or what did he say about this or that, right? Because the math speaks for itself. And I think um, Buddhism is the same. The teachings are, are much more important than the teacher. We don't want to get hung up on, on the guru part of all of this. We, wanna, we want to understand the concepts of, and, and know how to apply these things in our lives. And that's what matters most, not the teacher. You know, when was the last time you had a discussion or a debate about algebra, thinking who's the legitimate founder of algebra? Was it uh, Diophantus or was it Al-Khwarizmi? Uh, because there, are, you know, the, some people say it's one and most people say it's the other, but it, it, it's irrelevant, right? Because even though we live in a world where algebra plays a significant part in our day-to-day lives, you may not even know how. Um, Google it; you'll you'll find a lot of modern society functions off of principles that work through the discovery of algebra. And, and, and most of us don't know anything about the founder of algebra um, because it's not that important. What if we could start to view um, spirituality, at least Buddhism, in the same way? Now, I'm not saying that that means we don't need to have any, um, any respect or appreciation for the Buddha. Uh, a lot of people do, and I think that's a part of their practice. Um, but especially in the secular approach, we, we recognize that what matters here is the algebra itself, not the founder of algebra. Uh, what matters here is mindfulness as a tool, as an exercise. These concepts, uh, they all stand on their own two feet. You know, it doesn't have to be that 
well, uh, mindfulness works if I can prove that the Buddha was who he said he was. You know, the, Buddhism doesn't have that like other religions do. Um, that may be, you know, the validity of the present day message is contingent on the truthfulness or the validity of uh, the story of the founder or anything from that point on to the present. Buddhism isn't like that. Buddhism is just, you can observe it, uh, practice it, and realize on your own, hey, yeah, things are interdependent. Things are uh, impermanent. What are the implications of that? And you, you may uh, be able to put all this into practice without ever having been told that this is that this is coming from Buddhism or that there's a guy named Siddhartha who was later called the Buddha. Like none of that would matter. And all of this would still be relevant and beneficial to you in your own life. And you could still achieve this own, you could still achieve your own form of enlightenment or awakening without knowing any of that. And that, that matters a lot to me, especially, you know, on the secular Buddhist path. So ultimately what that all means to me when someone asks that question, well, which is the right path? Who's the right teacher? Which is the right form of Buddhism? The answer is none of them. And the answer is all of them. It's whichever, you know, whichever approach or message resonates with you um, that helps you to understand and, and, and really apply these concepts. That's the one that matters. For some people, it's going to be a very secular approach. They don't want to hear about anything that is uh, even hints of, of, of being supernatural um, or that is unknowable through science. And that's fine. That's, that's the path I like. Um, but that doesn't mean that this path is any better than uh, another path. You know, there may be uh, forms of, of Buddhist schools of thought that include cosmologies of realms and, um, you know, demons and angels and things like that. Well, does that really matter? Like, is it fair for us to say, oh, no, that one's less accurate than this one? How would we know? That, that That's not the point. See, in Buddhism, the point isn't to arrive at truth, which one's true, which one's more true. None, none of that is relevant. The whole point of it, as the Buddha always taught, is I, I teach one thing only, suffering and the end of suffering. That's that's the goal of all of this. How do we uh, learn to minimize um, suffering by understanding the causes of suffering and then tackling the causes of suffering. That's kind of, uh, that's one of the things that makes Buddhism so unique. Now it's unfortunate that you do have, um, internal struggles that go on between the various schools of Buddhism, uh, between classical Buddhism versus secular Buddhism uh, among the various classical forms. You have the same thing, Tibetan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, Shin Buddhism, uh, you know, and then you have schisms that take place in each of these. Um, and that's fine. There's th- there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, ultimately, it gives us a whole bunch of different flavors that we get to pick. You know, it's like uh, the, the essence uh, of all of this is like the water, you know, that things are impermanent, things are interdependent. That's common. But then the actual flavor that goes in the water, like the tea... Um, that's less important, but you may have a preference that you like this flavor over that flavor. So you're a Zen Buddhist, or you like that other flavor more than this flavor. So you practice uh, Theravada uh, or, or Tibetan or secular or whatever. Right. (laughs) And, and I think it's important to um, respect each other's paths to recognize that 
the difference of path, because there's not one true path, there's, there can certainly be a correct path. The path that you're on always feels like it's the correct path, but just because you're on the right path doesn't mean it's the right path for everyone. Or, Or just because it feels like it's the true path, it doesn't mean it's the only true path. And I think that's important to understand with any, uh, spiritual practice, because again, going back to the story of the Buddha, you could say, well, at one point he was studying under a, a Vedic uh, teacher, and that person is not at all like what we know Buddhism to be. Well, that's fine. It was still a stepping stone on the ultimate, you know, on the path that led to ultimate awakening or to awareness. Now, what that implies for me, thinking about this personally, it's like that means I've never been on the wrong path. I've always been on the right path. You know, when I was a, a Mormon missionary in Ecuador teaching, well, that was, that I was on the right path. That's where I was at that time. And that is an integral, being where I was then is an integral part of being where I am now. And I feel, if I feel that where I am now is exactly where I want to be or where I should be, then everything that's led up to being right here would be correct. It would be right. Um, but we make the mistake of thinking, oh, back then I was in the wrong place. Now I'm in the right place. It's like, well, we always think we're in the right place, but what did it take for you to get to the right place? It took everything else <laughs> being in all the wrong places. That's because wrong and right is, is an illusion, right? It's just, it's a perspective. And I address that quite a bit in, in the podcast, so I won't get into the uh, dichotomy of good and bad, right and wrong. Um, but what I really want to emphasize with this podcast episode is that we can find the teacher within. That's the ultimate uh, realization that the Buddha had. That's the ultimate teaching of Buddhism is that, hey, you are your own teacher. And you can, you can learn a lot from a teacher, you know, someone like me who does a podcast, or you could go to a Buddhist temple. You're going to learn a lot from the teacher there or the monk or a nun. Um, and there are a lot of sources out there. You can read a book. You can learn it all on your own. But the ultimate knowledge that you're going to gain when it comes to awakening is, you know, that aha moment that you're going to have when you realize all things are interdependent, all things are impermanent, and, and you start to understand the implications of that realization. All that happens on your own. Nobody can do that for you. So I think it is very important to highlight this and to to say that at the end of all of this, um, you're your greatest teacher. It's you. It's all about you. And be very careful about putting your authority on someone else. See, whoever you give authority to, that becomes, uh, they have power over you. Now, it doesn't mean that they have power over you inherently. It means they have power over, power over you because you gave them power over you. Um, so imagine being able to do that to yourself. Make yourself the, your greatest teacher because any teacher can show you any path, but ultimately you're the one that walks it. Uh, it's like the Chinese proverb that you know a teacher can show you the door, but you're the one that has to walk through it. That is a very profound um, form of, of wisdom to understand that all of these things that you learn, whether it be on this podcast or through books or through listening to uh, any Buddhist teacher, those are all just tools. And some tools are, are really helpful. Some are more helpful than others. Some are more efficient than others. Some work better for certain people over other tools. 
And that's all great. So that makes it so that it, all of it's good. Everything that's out there is, can be beneficial. But at the end of the day, this is about finding the teacher within. This is about you discovering that everything you've been looking for outside of yourself isn't, it's not going to help. What you're looking for is to be found inside of yourself internally. This is the concept of finding that teacher within. I remember a point in my life where I was looking uh, at my jobs or relationships or family. um, And it wasn't until I finally learned to look into myself that, of course, is where the answer was all along. And at that point, what do you long for? Everything that you want, you've already got it. It's there inside of you. That's the deep understanding that comes from studying Buddhism. That's the deep realization that the Buddha had. And from that moment on, he was able to live uh, with with peace and joy and contentment. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't experience anger or frustration or resentment. Like you're, We're going to experience emotions. That's part of life. But we won't get caught up in this in those emotions. Uh, we won't we won't be mad about being mad. We we don't have to be anxious about being anxious. We can already just be anxious. That's the enlightened. That's the awakened life. The way I like to think of it. Um, so that's what I wanted to address, uh, all based on that question: which is the right path? Well, it's your path is the right path, and you get that when you realize you are your path is the right path because you are your teacher, <laughs> and you're also your student, and that can be a really profound shift um, for, for you while you're on this spiritual path. So I hope that was uh, a helpful topic. I, I have several topics that I've been wanting to record this week, so I'm excited to, to hopefully knock out the next several episodes, just kind of one after another after another. So that's all I have for finding the teacher within. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes, or if you're new to Buddhism and you're interested in learning more, you can always listen to the first five episodes of this podcast in order. Uh, they serve as a summary of all the key concepts um, taught in Buddhism. You can also check out my book, Secular Buddhism, Eastern Thought for Western Minds, available on Amazon, Kindle, iTunes, and Audible. And if you have, uh, or for more information on on those, you can visit secularbuddhism.com. That's all I have for now. I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Until next time.